Um, my favorite thing is to watch people um, bloom. So, and this is a person that I've seen come in and it's just a beautiful thing. So if, if you've been around, you kind of have watched uh, this happen and if you're in this room, it is happening to you. So um, I look forward to hearing her story and I'm thankful she said yes. yes. <laughs> so this is you. drinks here okay hi you guys I'm Julie and I'm an alcoholic hey, Julie. um I'm pretty nervous um I don't really like speaking in front of like this big a group of people but um Bolden means so much to me and I love this place and it's done a lot for me so when Elizabeth asked me to share my story I felt extremely honored because I remember when I like first came in here and I would see like other people share their stories when I like had less than a month and I'd just be like oh my god like how do they do that you know um and now here I am doing it so that's pretty crazy but um yeah I'm thankful to be here um so again I'm Julie I guess I can tell you all a little bit about myself I'm going to share my experience strength and hope with you guys um, I'm Julie. Uh, my birthday is March 1st, 1986. I'm 33 years old, and I was born in Houston, Texas. Um, yeah. I've been in Austin for two years. It was two years March 1st, and I really love Austin a lot. And I really believe that one of the reasons why I came to Austin, my higher power bringing me to Austin, was to find this place because my higher power knew there's, like, no way... I would have been able to get sober anywhere else except for Bolden, so um, extremely happy to be here. So I have these notes. <laughs> we'll see how they go. <laughs> um, I'll start off with, I guess, my childhood. Um, one of my first memories I had was um, being asleep and my mom waking me up and um, I was running a fever. I was sick, and so she told me that you need to go to the hospital because I had a really high fever. And so we went to the hospital, and I guess I was about three years old, and it turned out that I had cancer. Um, it was leukemia, and uh, it's like one of the first memories I have, and honestly, I don't really know a whole lot about <clears throat> that time in my life because my family, we, we really don't talk about it a whole lot because my mom will just start crying. And a lot of times, like, if she's, like, drunk enough, she'll bring it up and then start crying. <laughs> so we just try to, like, avoid talking about it. Um, but, I mean, I definitely do remember, like, having to live in the hospital for a while. And, um, you know, my, I had to do chemotherapy. So I had a bald head, which was really hard. And... Um, I remember my mom always being there at the hospital with me. I do remember this like really crazy experience where I had like an out of body experience where I was like in the room and I was like in the top corner of the room and I could like see myself in the bed and I saw my mom sitting in the corner. Um, but that's kind of like the only thing I can really remember. Um, when I did come back from the hospital, um, 
I ha- oh, I guess I should tell you my family first. So I have two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. I'm the middle, and I have a half-sister. She comes later in the story. And um, I have my mom and my dad. <clears throat> so when I came back from the hospital, uh, we were, like, super young. And my sisters, they didn't really... <coughs> Like accepts me back. They're really, really mean to me and didn't make me feel welcomed. Um, I still had the bald head, and that really messed with my self-confidence a lot. There is this one time that I remember walking down um, the school hallway with my mom, picking up my sister, and these two girls walked past us, and you know they were laughing. And I was like, told my mom, I was like, mom, they're like laughing at me. You know, they're laughing at my hair. And she's like, no, they probably just told a joke. But I just like always thought that I was like the butt of everyone's jokes um, because I looked different. And then I wasn't really getting the support that I needed from, you know, my household. So this like kind of sets this like foundation from when I was like really, really young to just like not feeling like I was enough, that I didn't matter, that there was something wrong with me. Um, a lot of insecurity, and it's really easy for me to play the victim, for sure. And since I had all these issues, I um, was really shy, and so I was a big target for bullies in elementary school. Um, sounds like a, like such a sad story, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. Maybe you just remember like the bad parts, you know, because that's just like what sticks in your mind. But um, yeah, uh, there was like this one time I was like riding home on a school bus and like my friend's brother started making fun of me in front of everyone. And everyone on the bus was like laughing at me and um, he told me, he's like, Julie, it's not Halloween, take off your mask. And everyone started laughing. And um, I was just like sitting in the seat, just like looking out the window, just like waiting to get home. And um, that's just, like, one example. But, I mean, I just, like, I didn't know how to, like, stand up for myself. I didn't think I was, like, worthy at just, like, a very young age. That's just, like, how I felt. And, um, like, so the dynamic for my family a little bit, my dad, he was kind of, like, the source of love in my childhood. Like, he was the one that I would run to for hugs, the one that would, like, when I got in trouble, explain to me, like, what was going on. Um, you know, made me feel validated. And my mom, she's a little crazy. Um, I love her. But she, you know, she came from an abusive home. And she doesn't, she didn't know how to, like, interact with us. She didn't, like, I don't remember, like, a lot of hugs or physical um, shows of affection. Um, the only way, like, she knew how to communicate was by, like, yelling. And I mean, even that day when I came home from the bus, crying to her that like all the kids were making fun of me, uh, she like wrapped her arms around me and she was like, oh, I don't even know why he's talking about you. He's ugly himself. You know, she, she wasn't like, oh, poor baby. Like, I can't believe it. You're like so beautiful. She was just like, she was just like mad. She was just like really mad. And that, but that's just like how she knew how to communicate. Um, and she was also just like really controlling and didn't make me feel worthy, you know, like I kind of felt like I didn't deserve to take up space. Um, so yeah, um, that, that was kind of like my childhood. So super sensitive little girl that I was, and still am, I guess. Um, 
let's flash forward to middle school. Um, my parents, who were together, they got divorced when I was in sixth grade, and it was um, pretty traumatic. My dad, he was cheating on my mom, and there was like this one night where my mom like took my older sister to, like, I can't believe I'm saying this, um, took my older sister to go see him at this other woman's house playing with her kids. And so she came back, my sister came back crying, and my mom came back like screaming and yelling, and she was like going upstairs and getting my dad's clothes and like throwing them out, and she locked them out. And then my dad came home and was like pounding on the door, like kicking in the door, trying to get in. And um, me and my younger sister were just like, what the fuck, dude, like this is crazy. Um, so they got, they ended up getting a divorce. And um, so my life became pretty different after that, like I said, my dad was pretty much my source of like having love um, from my parents. And um, when he left, it was really, really hard because I felt very alone. I remember there was this one time um, when it was like super fresh. It might have been like the first or second night that he wasn't there at the house. And I was like on the phone with him and like the pain that I felt from him like not being with us anymore it was just like something I had never experienced before and I just remember telling him like I miss you and like there, just feeling like there's nothing I could do about it this was just like life you know and not really knowing like how to cope with it I guess um, I think that's probably where my codependency started if I'm gonna diagnose it myself <laughs> it could be for sure <laughs> Um, so like seventh grade, um, I guess I was like, you know, I was kind of goofy looking. I was really tall and lanky, but I was kind of chunky. And, um, one of my soccer friends, she, uh, I saw her one season and she was chunky as well. And then I saw her the next season and she was like super duper skinny. And I was like, dude, like what happened? And she was like, yeah, I just don't eat. And like, I lose weight. And I was like, wow, that's like so crazy. I was like, I'm gonna do that. So that like started my, uh, my eating disorder in middle school. Um, I stopped eating and I, I don't know, I guess it was just kind of like a way to control something because I like couldn't control anything else that was like going on in my life. Um, I got super, super skinny. Um, I would not eat. Like, I remember times just my stomach hurting so bad from being hungry and, like, looking in the pantry. And, you know, like, I didn't grow up on, like, fruits and vegetables. I grew up on, like, Pop-Tarts and, like, processed <laughs> foods and stuff. So I'd be, like, looking in the cabinet and just, like, looking at the nutrition label and just being like, no, I can't eat it, even though I was, like, so hungry. Um, but that lasted for about a year. And then... I got tired of not eating, and so I started eating and binging and then throwing up, and like the bulimia started. And uh, that lasted for like a really, really long time. But um, I guess it was just like me and like the shit that was going on in my head. Like before I could find, like before I found drugs and alcohol, before I knew that was like an option, I was like trying to find ways to, I guess, escape like how I was feeling and like just not being like happy with like my life like at all just like not feeling happy um in middle school since my dad was gone my mom has gone a lot because she was working a lot so me and my sisters were home a lot and I had an older sister and her like 
older friends would like hang around the house without my mom there and there were like a bunch of dudes and so <clears throat> they would always talk to us about like sex and alcohol and drugs and we were like middle school kids you know so we we're just like yeah okay but we had no idea what they were talking about so I don't know I guess I like started to like kind of realize oh this is kind of what you do when you get older you know you like get fucked up and so high school comes around and uh ninth grade I found like my first like love of my life sort of guy um he was like my high school sweetheart and I just like like lashed on to him like and I never let go you know I just like needed someone to fucking love me and he did and um our relationship I mean we're ninth graders you know but like <laughs> I have to remember that we're like young it's okay <laughs> but like um it just got to be so like intense to where I was like so controlling of him like I wouldn't even let him like hang out with his friends and just like really crazy shit that it got to be too much to where he like one day just like stopped answering my phone call and I was like what the fuck and I was like freaking out like I remember this like panic that I've never felt before going over me and he was just basically like finally answered I was like dude stop calling me like, I can't be with you anymore I'm skating with my friends like leave me alone and I'm like what like, I'm just, like, freaking out. And so um, that sucked really, really bad um, because I needed him to feel validated. I didn't know how to love myself, you know, so I needed other people to love me and show me that love. Um, and then, like, that idea of, like, being abandoned again, you know, like, my dad aban abandoning me. I mean, like, we saw him every weekend, but, like, just, like, him not being in the house anymore. And... Um, uh, now, you know, this first guy that I, like, actually gave my heart to is doing the same thing to me. So, you know, I'm in high school now, and I start to discover drinking. Here it comes. Drinking. Um, drinking was awesome. I, like, learned how to, like, make friends. Like, everyone was doing it. And so it was, like, this, like, community of people that I found in high school and made me, like, loose and, like, life of the party and like I could be myself and I felt cool and I just felt like there was like the insecurity chains were like broken just like here I am finally and um but I just liked it a lot you know more than like other people and um you know drinking for me led to like smoking cigarettes and smoking weed and doing ecstasy and coke and Adderall and just like I just started to get really, really deep into it um, to where it wasn't just like a weekend thing anymore. It was like every day. It was like during school. It was like leaving school to go like chug vodka at the house while watching Days and Confused with my friends. <laughs> and like not like saying we were going to go back to school, but like not going back to school. Um, and it got gross, you know, like um, I was like a druggie. I was like an alcoholic druggie. And I got to be, like, too crazy for the popular kids. Like, their parents, like, didn't want me to hang out around their kids anymore or, like, hang out in their house anymore because they were, like, afraid I was bringing drugs into the house, which, like, I was for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, did make me mad just because, like, everyone else was doing it. And so I didn't understand, like, why I was being singled out. But it was just because, like, I was doing it to, like, this crazy excess. And I, like, couldn't... Like, I couldn't hide it, you know? Like, I just, like, didn't give a fuck. And that was the problem, is, like, once I um, 
was really deep into it. Like, I just did not give a fuck about anything. Like, there is a semester where I um, failed, like, three out of four classes of the semester. Like, I just didn't care. But everyone was, like, always, like, the teachers and the principal, like, they kind of liked me. So they were just like, dude, just, like, pass, like, the major test. And we'll, like, let you graduate high school. So I'm like, cool. But, um... <laughs> High school, like, really sucked for me because I started hanging out with, like, really bad people. I just got so deep into my addiction. I didn't know, like, how to find a way out of it. And, you know, I went so hard in and, like, after high school. Like, I I didn't think that high school was, like, going to end. Like, I just thought it was going to go on forever. So I was just, like, going as hard as I fucking could. And then it ended. And then I was like, what the hell? But, um... (laughs) I will, like, I will share that, you know, there was, like, I guess, like, suicide attempts. Um, I did cut my wrist a lot because the pain was just, like, so overwhelming. I would be, like, really wasted and, like, go home and just, like, try to, like, cut it deeper. But I was just, like, afraid of, like, the pain, you know? So I would, like, cut myself but not enough to, like, kill myself. And I would, like, look outside at the stars and, like, look up and be, like, dude, like, what the fuck? Like, help me. Um, I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Shit was bad. Um, I got a DWI when I was 18. Um, I went to jail and I was like in jail on my graduation day for high school. So like everyone in the class like knew that I was in jail because for some reason the cop like let me call my friends in the back seat and tell them all that I was like on my way to jail. <laughs> so, every, so everyone there, he was like a cool cop. I mean, uh, I think he felt bad for me. But um, yeah, so that that was. I mean, I wasn't gonna go to my graduation anyway because I was just like that type of kid. I was like, fuck that shit. But uh, I, I couldn't have even if I wanted to because I was in jail. Um, but yeah, like when high school ended, I remember like the last day of high school, like everyone like had their friends, you know, the relationships that they've made over the years and they're all going off to celebrate. And I just like went home by myself because I had like basically like burned all my bridges and the only um, friends that I had were like super druggy friends who like didn't really, really care about me at all. Um, so that was pretty depressing. Um, yeah. So high school ends, and um, I'm still super active in, in drugs and alcohol after high school. I mean, basically from like 18 to like 24, I wasn't really doing shit with my life. I was either drunk, hungover, or drunk or hungover, I guess. I worked a lot of crappy jobs. I mean, my mom. She didn't really, like, motivate us to, like, do stuff with our life. I didn't know that you could, like, choose what to do with your life. My mom, just her, like, best advice she gave me was to, like, get into a company where you can, like, work yourself up, you know, and, like, eventually be able to, like, make some money. Because that's what she did. And, I mean, she has a really good job now by doing that. But, I mean, that wasn't, that's not, like, wasn't my ambition. So I was, like, really depressed that that was, like, what I thought life was, you know. And so I just worked a lot of crappy customer service jobs. I did do some community college, but I was just doing like, you know, video editing classes or photography classes or art classes, you know, nothing that like really was 
anything. And I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be creative, but I, I was always afraid to like give myself to something fully. Um, so yeah, that happened. Um, let's see here. There's not really too much to tell during those times because like literally all I was doing was like getting <laughs> fucked up and uh, I don't know, I was like trying to like write down some notes for myself and I was like, dude, I can't remember. It's like, yeah, you're like fucked up all the time. Like there's nothing to remember, nothing good to tell you guys like, at all. Um, I mean, I definitely like did a lot of drinking and driving like a lot. Like I did not give a fuck. Um, like I'm surprised that I only got one DWI. Um, I've shared this before in meetings where, like, there's one time where I had, like, uh, two hit and runs in one day and, like, did not get caught. One of them being a Metro bus. Still didn't get caught. <coughs> had another hit. And I, like, had just gotten my car when I was 16 and um, went out and, like, got wasted with my friends. Had a, like, car packed full of people and I, like, hit this truck and she came out and... Like, her, her truck was fine. I was like, oh, you're fine. She's like, she's pregnant. She's like, you hurt my baby. And I was like, shit. And so, like, one of my friends, but I think she was just, like, sane. I didn't really hurt her baby. She just wanted, like, insurance. But um, one of my friends was like, dude, just go. Just go. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go. So I reversed and freaking left. And she followed us. And we, like, had this whole, like, car chase thing going on in Spring Branch in Houston, Texas. And I just know the streets really well, so I lost her, and like nothing ever happened from that. But um, except for my mom getting like super pissed that I had already like wrecked my car that I just got. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm trying to like let y'all know that I'm an alcoholic. There's a couple of stories about um, some shitty shit that I did. Um, so yes, I'm an alcoholic. Um, so yeah, so like I guess around 25 years old, I met my uh he's my husband now and i met him at a bar and he was like a complete like normal person and i've like never dated a normal person before like all the guys i've ever dated were like alcoholics or druggies just like me and i didn't really like to hang out with normal people because they weren't fun and they make me feel bad about myself so why would i want to <laughs> hang out with them <laughs> but um he was cool so like I my crazy uh, addicting addictive behavior like continued with him. Obviously the codependency came up with him. Um, <coughs> drinking a lot of drinking. Um, I wasn't really doing drugs that much anymore. Maybe a little coke every now and again, weed. But um, I would hide my drinking from him because he didn't drink as much as I did. So like we if we did go out and drink one night. Um, like the next day he'd like want to hang out but I'd be like hungover so I'd either want to like go on the couch and like watch TV all day or like go get drunk again so um I would like leave even though he wanted to hang out or I would like hide my drinking like I would get like a um airs what is it like this like that big tea can and like fill it up with wine like on always sunny that's like where I, that's like where I got it from and I thought I was like so slick just like we were driving to like get sushi and I was like oh yeah I was like having a great time you know I thought I was like I thought he didn't know and then like uh and then like we finally got there and he's like let me have a drink of that. He took a sip, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's wine. Pretty funny, huh? Like, I tried to play it off, but, you know, it was just, like, not cute, you know? And, um, like, my craziness was, like, getting even worse because I was trying to control him. Like, I tried to control everyone. Um, 
and I was like becoming like my mom like I was just super angry all the time I would just like snap at the drop of the hat for like no no reason at all like I was just completely out of my mind and I knew that I didn't like the way that I was but I didn't know how to change I thought that that was just who I was and I had to accept it and he had to accept it um but like I didn't know like how do you know if you're just always like living a certain way how do you know there's like a different way out like I don't know I guess you just have some sort of connection to a higher power which I felt like I did a little bit um so things got really really bad and it got to the point where he was like we were like gonna break up um and so I decided that it was finally time to go to AA um and that was my first time like going to AA uh, and I didn't do it for him he was just like an excuse for me to finally be like okay now I can like now I can get sober you know it was a reason to get sober. Um, my brother-in-law had just gotten sober like nine months before that, and so he offered to be my sponsor. And this isn't here at Bolden. This is in Houston. Um, uh, yeah, so he was my sponsor, which I really wouldn't recommend that, like having a guy who's related to you be your sponsor. <laughs> it didn't work out very well for me at all. He... <laughs> He had a, um, yeah, he, I had a huge resentment towards him that I couldn't, like, share with him, obviously, and he, and he's, like, and he's, and he's very Christian, which, like, that's totally fine if your sponsor has different beliefs, we all have different beliefs, but, like, he thought I was Christian, too, and I, like, didn't feel comfortable telling him, like, hey, I kind of believe a little bit differently than, like, we were brought up, you know, so just kind of, like, I was pretending um because I was afraid and when I worked the the program that time that was about like I guess four or five years ago uh like I was like only going to three meetings a week I was not fellowshipping um I'd like just go to a meeting stay there for an hour and then like leave right after I didn't have anyone else's phone numbers other than him um, I just like wasn't really like working it like they suggest for you to work it but I was doing the 12 steps and so that was something right and I did get some relief from being sober I was sober for a little over a year like a year and like a month maybe um, and things were good like I was connecting with my higher power I was like learning how to like not drink because I never learned how to not drink because that's how I coped with everything that's how I escaped life um, I, um, so like I had all this free time on my hands because like I wasn't drinking anymore and that's all I ever did was drink. So my husband played music and so I was like, dude, like, let me be in your band. And he was like, you don't even play an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'll learn, I'll learn, I'll learn. <laughs> it can't be that hard. So I was like, I'll play the keyboard. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, all right, well, like, learn this song. Let's see what you got. And so I just, like, sat there and was, like, you know, learning that song. And I, like, sat there until I could play it. And he was, like, saw that I was, like, really serious. And so I kind of, like, started playing music um, with him and his band, even though, like, I didn't know how to. Um, but I was just, like, really eager to learn. And so I did. And so that was something, like, really great that I got from that first time being sober because music is a really important part of my life today. Um, I also learned how to like cope with my codependency issues. Um, I learned how to be like more independent and I started to like feel this foundation of loving myself, um, which was really, really great. 
<clears throat> but since I wasn't working the program, like you, I, in my opinion, feel like you probably should if you're an alcoholic like me. Um, so I, like, once I got a year, I pretty much stopped coming, going to meetings. I was like, I'm good, you know? And then I was like, well, maybe I'll start smoking weed again. And so I started smoking weed. And then eventually, because, like, alcohol is my first love, I started drinking again. And um, I was like, I'm totally cured. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I've been sober for a year. I know how to do this now. But as soon as I started drinking, like, the mental obsession for alcohol came back immediately. Like, it just started all over again. And um, it was terrible. I mean, like... <clears throat> I guess like on the outside, like my life didn't look too unmanageable, but like the mental anguish that I had was just so severe that like literally like every day I would talk about how I wanted to quit or I would be like, I'm quitting today. And then like two hours later, I'd start drinking again. It was just like something that like was continuously on my mind for like the next like four or five years of my life. And um, it really fucking sucked. It's, like, terrible to, like, be an alcoholic and try to, like, control your drinking because you want to drink more, but you also don't want to look like an alcoholic. <laughs> you, like, want to keep drinking, so you have to do, like, secret shots or... <laughs> um, it's just, like, not fun at all. And then, I mean, there's definitely times within that period where I would get, like, wasted enough to, like, make a fool of myself for sure. Um, but it, it just didn't happen as often because I had, like, this awareness that I didn't want people to know that I made a mistake, that, like, no, you actually are an alcoholic and you need AA, you need outside help, you can't do it on your own. Um, so, uh, yeah, we started our business in Houston, went to clean power washing business, and I um, did, like, my yoga teacher training, so I was, like, coherent enough to, like, kind of start building a life. Um, but shit just got too, too much, and so I was like, we need to, like, go somewhere else. I'm tired of Houston, like, let's, let's travel. Let's get a travel trailer and travel. And, um, so we did that. We sold our house, and, um, like, right before we were supposed to leave, my dad, like, suddenly, like, passed away. Like, this super healthy dude, like, marathon runner, uh, like, vegan, vegetarian dude, um, just, like, gone. And so uh, that wasn't, we weren't expecting that to happen, but we still had this like plan. So we ended up parking our trailer in Niederwall and we lived out there for like four months and we decided we didn't want to travel because we didn't want to be like, you know, um, too far from our family, but we also knew we didn't want to be in Houston anymore. And we were coming to Austin like four times a week. So we we're like, dude, let's just move to Austin. And we're like, when me and my husband like get a plan, like we like do it, you know? <laughs> I'm like the visionary and he's like the one that does the groundwork. <laughs> he's a responsible one. So um, so we moved to Austin and um, I, was, I was dry when we moved to Austin because I was trying not to drink. But we live in the Barton Hills neighborhood and there's a green belt back there. It's really beautiful and we found this beautiful green belt and there's all these like hippies that were there like drinking and smoking and I was like... It, my, it did, the dryness didn't last very long. I started drinking again, and um, I found myself starting to burn bridges in Austin, and I was like, dude, I love Austin so much. Like, I don't want to have to move again. Like, I, I can't, like, do this again. So, like, my, like, last drunk was a little over a year ago. Um, 
during South by me and my husband were gonna play some music on the streets and um, I had like a like a 16 ounce container I filled like half with Tito's and half with Topo and some lime and um, we went to ABGB and had some beers there first talking to some like video guy and then we went out there and I just got like so wasted dude like by the end of it, I was like only able to play like one song, not very well. And um, we met up with some friends over there. I was drinking whiskey, smoked weed, and I just like blacked out. And um, so my husband had to like, you know, this is like during South by, so you know, you have to park really, really far. And we had bikes, you know, that like, so we could bike. We had to leave our bikes there and he had to like drag my ass all the way to the car. And um, like I was throwing up everywhere when we got home. The next day I was like terrible hangover. It was like the worst, it was so bad. Um, Cause you know, I'm like getting older, like hangovers are like days, they last, <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, so um, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna drink anymore. And then if I do drink again, then I'll definitely go to AA. And then I've told this story before too, but like literally two days later, friends asked if we wanted to go on their boat in Lake Travis, and I was like, okay, I'm definitely gonna drink on a boat, so. <laughs> uh, so I drank again literally two days later after swearing it off, and so I was like, I woke up in the middle of the night that night, and I was like, fuck this dude, like I can't like do this anymore, like I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, the mental anguish was just like too intense. And I had been looking at Bolden for a while, like on my GPS, like looking at Google, like the AA meetings, like where are you? And Bolden would always pop up and it's like this cute little house. And I was like, well, it looks like a cool place, but I'm like so afraid of going there by myself. You know, I'm really fearful um, to admit that I need help with this, this like secret that I've kind of been hiding because no one really like considered me an alcoholic, you know? Um, but I had made up my mind, I prayed it was like four o'clock in the morning and I was like, there's a, it was Sunday and I was like, there's a 10 a.m. Sunday meeting. Like, just please God, like get me to this fucking meeting. Like, I'm not going to go back to sleep. I'm going to this meeting. So I did. And, um, I got in here and it was like this really tiny meeting. And, um, my now sponsor was chairing the meeting and like I shared and told him I was like an alcoholic and needed help. And, Afterwards, she like came up to me and was like, I'll sponsor you. And I was like, cool. Um, and so I started working the steps with her. And like, as soon as I like walked into this place, you guys, I felt like at home. Like there's just like something about Bolden that really resonates with my heart. And I felt like I could get sober here. You know, I think I could do this here. Um, and my sponsor gave me so, okay, like, I'm being, like, modest. I really, really love Bolden a lot. So I'm going to try to take this last 15 minutes that I have and kind of, like, let y'all know, like, my experience here. Um, because, you know, you want to, like, think that when you walk in, like, everything's going to be great, you know, I'm, like, saved, and, like, this is going to be awesome. But, I mean, it was it's like work, you know, and you have to do things that are, like, uncomfortable. Like, you have to get outside of yourself. And my sponsor, you know, besides just working the steps with me, like, suggested for me to, like, speak in meetings and, like, do service work, like, clean the dishes, um, you know, meet people, get phone numbers. And I'm, like, super, super shy chick, right? Like, terribly shy. And, um, but I did that shit. Like, I would listen and I would see people that I thought looked cool and approachable. Uh, and I would, like, go and ask them for their numbers. And I would, like, actually call them. <laughs> um, 
and it was really hard. And like after the meetings, you know, I remember everyone gets up and starts talking to each other and it's all great and fun. And then I'm just sitting there like shit, 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 like mm -hmm. looking around for someone that maybe I can go up to that's like by themselves and I can start talking to. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's what I did, I guess. And I started like hanging out in the back, uh, which was really scary. When I first went back there, you know, it was for like 10 seconds. I'd like say like two things to someone and then I'd leave really quickly. But, you know, eventually I kind of started to get like more comfortable. And I mean, basically like from months, like uh, one to like six, I guess, was just a lot of faking it till I make it. Um, awkwardly hanging out with people like we were all just kind of like I don't know like what do we talk about like I guess we'll talk about how much we're alcoholics and like how much our lives suck so, <laughs> so let's do that um, and that's what I did and uh, work the steps and just I guess like learning how to trust people like I always thought people had like other agendas like they weren't really trying to be cool with me um, they were doing something maybe to like become my friend and then they could like, I don't know, like point at me and laugh and be like, ha ha, like you thought I was going to be your friend, you suck, like, I don't know, <laughs> I'm very fearful. <laughs> um, so that was, that was nice and I'm still learning how, how to trust people. Um, doing my steps, you know, um, I consider myself a very spiritual person. Um, but learning how to have a like a selfless relationship with my higher power is something I've been learning from this program and you know honestly like my relationship with my higher power changes like every day like now I'm on this like new kick where I like meditate and I do this like chakra blessing meditation and it's like working really really good for me right now but it, there probably will be a time where it's not working for me and then I've got to like figure out something else because I'm always growing as a person so like my program has to grow with me right um my step four I had like over a hundred resentments on it and my sponsor sat there with me during my fifth step and listened to every single one it was like from crazy like really painful shit from my childhood to like the barista who like didn't smile at me when she was talking to me. It was like everybody on that fucking list. Um, and then like, let's see here, what else happened? Um, so then like six months, you know, I started feeling pretty comfortable here. Um, when I got to around like nine, 10 months, um, I started to get really antsy. Like I didn't want to drink again. Like I don't want to drink. That, that obsession was removed like a long time ago. But it was just like this idea of like me being a part of something and being a part of it for longer than like two months, you know? Cause my thing was like two months and like I'm bailing dude, like no. Um, and I, uh, like, I just really wanted to be of service. So I, like, was like, hey, like, let me be on the steering committee and I'll, like, get supplies for Bolden. And so that's a year commitment. So I, like, I decided to do that. And then as soon as I did that, dude, like, it just, like, freaked me out, like, a whole nother year. Like, and again, it's not the drinking. It's just, like, the idea of being a part of something and, like, sustaining these relationships that I've built 
with you guys. It's hard and it's scary for me because like, what if like we remain friends and you realize like I'm not as cool as you thought I was or I don't know, like who knows what can happen. And so it was really terrifying. And like I met with my sponsor about some like resentments that I had like from people in this group that like literally did not do anything to me, but I just like was creating these mental blocks and these like, oh, this person, you know, just nothing really. <clears throat> but when we like went through it, um, I realized that it was basically these character defects that I've like had since I was a child, you know, that I'm not enough, I don't matter. Um, and like when my sponsor made me write that shit down, like I lost it. Like I had a panic attack in a, at Mr. Naturals. Um, I had to, I had to leave. I was, I like couldn't face the fact that man, I've like been sober. I've done like all this work, and like this shit is still just like coming up, and it's just like it's too painful for me to face right now. Um, but you know that was like two or three months ago, or however long. And like, I faced that shit and like, I feel like stronger today because of that. Because what I've learned in this program is that like, when you are going through like the pain, because you're always growing, like, you, you know, like you're just always growing. And in order to grow, you have to go through those dark times and those pains because like right on the other side of that is the light. And that's mm -hmm. where you understand what that, all that pain was for. And that's what that's like been true for me anyway. Um, and so now that I have that knowledge, you know, it's like when I do go through those like painful times, it's like I can sit with it and I can be like comfortable with it and just know that like this is a learning experience and this is a way for me to connect deeper with my higher power. It's a way to connect deeper with myself. And um, I don't have to be I can be afraid but I don't have to run from the fear. I don't have to let the fear control me. I can walk through it with my higher power, with you guys, um, with life. And, you know, that's all thanks to this, to this program. <laughs> this program is amazing. I'm gonna start crying, because <laughs> it is. It's just like, Bolden is, is, is a really special place. And, um, I hope that like if you're new, you give yourself time to figure that out for yourself, you know? Because it's it's hard to get enough courage and to walk through that door and be like, I need help because I can't do this on my own. It's fucking hard. But the great thing is is that like you don't have to do it on your own. Like we are here for you. Like, I love every single person in this room, whether I know you or not. Like, we might have never met, and I fucking love you, dude, because we all share this experience of, like, pain of being an alcoholic, and we all know what each other are going through. And it's just, like, so much easier to do it with a group of people that, like, genuinely care about you. Um, I just celebrated my year on Monday. And um, like that's a miracle. That's like a fucking miracle. And honestly, it's like taken me this long to be like, okay, I can like settle in here. Like I'm not going anywhere. Like I love this place and I don't want to leave and I want to be here to help the next 
you know, person who's suffering and to like share my experience, strength and hope because that's what y'all have done for me. And, um, you know, all those like really dark, terrible places that we've been in our lives, like we can be like sad about them and be like, fuck dude, like why did this happen to me? Or you can be like, dude, like I have, I've been there. I've been to like the darkest pit of despair and I've like come through on the other side and now I get to relate with you because you've been there as well. And that's like a beautiful gift, you know? Um, and I guess I am like grateful to be an alcoholic, which is like so, I hear people say and it's like so cheesy, but I guess I feel like, I feel that way. And um, I don't know, that might be it. I guess I'll also say, uh, oh, well like today, you know, who I am today real quick. Um, is that I'm sober for over a year, a year and a week. I um, am celebrating five years wedding anniversary with my husband today. Like how committed I am to this program. Like we have a cabin in Wimberley that we went to today and we drove back so I could tell my story. My husband's here, he's right there. And, And we're gonna drive back tonight because like I would literally do anything for this place like no matter what and um, I get to play music like we play music together we like play in places now we don't have to play on the street anymore um, I like am exploring art like drawing and eventually I want to get into painting and that's all because I have the freedom I am like I am free from the chains of alcohol and I can like be fully interactive with my life now. And that's only because of the help and the strength and the experience that I've got from this program. So thank you all for like listening. <laughs> this is like really a crazy experience. So like, thank you for like sharing it with me. And I'm, I love you guys. That's it. I don't know.